there. This is Emily Murphy with Grow What You Love, a show of unexpected stories of people and plants. And in this episode, I'm talking with Kevin Espiritu, the mastermind and talent behind Epic Gardening. He's also the author of Field Guide to Urban Gardening, How to Grow Plants No Matter Where You Live. But here's the deal. Kevin didn't set out to become a self-taught horticultural guru. He got his start in accounting. Well, actually, he studied accounting in college, but to pay his way through college, he played online poker, obviously on the winning side, and later found himself growing a garden when his mom said, hey, Kevin, I need you to do something with your brother to get him off the computer. Sound familiar? Don't you love this story already? Now, we recorded our conversation in June when Kevin was in the middle of what he calls his apocalypse challenge, where he's only eating food he's grown himself or food he's bartered for using food he's grown or food he's foraged for. In the process, I think he's lost about 13 pounds, but he's feeling really good. Join me at a San Diego home where we take a tour of his urban garden, learn about the genesis of epic gardening, and hear about the apocalypse challenge food drama. You also won't want to miss part two, where we cook up one of Kevin's go-to apocalypse challenge recipes. Here we are in Kevin's garden. We're on a city street in San Diego, not far from downtown. Honestly. Yeah, we're about a mile from downtown San Diego. You could walk there in 15 minutes and be in the actual heart of downtown San Diego, yeah. And you have a lot of food growing in this tiny front yard. How much, what's the square footage of your front yard? I couldn't even tell you because I haven't exactly measured, but I would guess maybe 15 by 40 feet, 15 by 30 feet, yeah. something like that. Not a lot of space. Tiny. Yeah, and it's not all used either. There's pathways and, and you know, there's, there's trees and blockades and stuff. So the actual growable space, I think, is maybe 150 square feet, something like that and you have a lot of food here. In fact, the food we're looking at is the food you're eating for all of June. Correct, yeah, so the Apocalypse Grow Challenge is, most of it's harvested out, so this looked completely different a couple of weeks ago because of potatoes. The potatoes were covering every raised bed almost because I wanted to make sure I had enough calories to live, you know? Um, <laughs> and now, how else are you growing calories, right? In that quick of a time span? Exactly. It's, it's you, potatoes, that's it. You, you know? can't live on peppers. You can't. That's the literal spice of life, right? But I needed the calories. So yeah, it's transformed. I pulled about 70 pounds of potatoes out of the, the whole area. And now you can see the beans, you can see tomatoes are coming in, peppers, just put a salsa garden in. So now hopefully I'll be able to get some of the more exciting ingredients. But for right, a while right. it's just potatoes. Potatoes are good. They are. Did you grow more than one variety? I grew all earlies, a red, a yellow, and a white. The red was Norland, the white was Warba, and the yellow was Yukon Gold. Yeah, classic. Did you have one that you found that was the, the reds? The reds. The reds dominated the rest. They're honestly, prolific. Prolific. I have a friend's terrace that I was also gardening in, and I set it and forget it on the reds. Yeah. And I got 25 pounds, no watering, no hilling, no fertilizer, nothing. I just let them go. That's it was amazing. insane. It was actually insane. Yeah. So lesson of the day: if you want calories and a prolific harvest of potatoes, go with the reds. I would go with the red. Yeah. Especially I, if you're in Southern California. Especially if you're in Southern California, and I wouldn't, I'm not anti-hilling them now, but I don't really want to anymore. Because I don't think for the effort, it's really worth it. You still get a relatively equal yield. So it's like, I'll just bury my potato deeper and leave it at that, you know? I've actually found that too. Yeah. I find that the hilling up process is not necessarily a wasted effort, but I really don't get that much more. I don't see the point personally. Yeah. Anyways, I mean, that's just the things you learn when you try to grow like a hundred pounds in, in a couple months. Right. So you can yeah. feed yourself for all of June. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so what else are we looking at here? We have some pineapple sage, one of my favorites. Pineapple sage. Yeah. It drastically smells like pineapple. I mean, it's just, it's right. such an amazing plant. 
It is. I find that when you rub the leaves and then smell your fingers, that's a great way to help you identify a plant. And yeah. it's a very telltale sign that you're working with pineapple sage because of its unique fragrance. It's just so obvious, yeah. And the fragrance matches the flavor. I yeah, find it is one of the few that smells like it tastes, it's right? A, yeah, and, or it tastes like it smells. And mm -hmm. I find that this is one of my favorites for uh, harvesting some leaves, popping them in, say a pitcher of water, putting that pitcher of water in the fridge, mm. pulling it out a couple hours later and you have this fabulous... I should try that. Yeah, it's yeah. so good. Maybe mix it with some lemons. Exactly, like and yeah. it, it tastes like something that's really, really special even though it's just pineapple sage. It's just a pretty basic plant, yeah. That's also a pollinator favorite. Mm -hmm. The favorite of hummingbirds. And, yeah. yeah, it's um, a great one. I've been loving it. I just said it and forget it. Anytime I can just ignore a plant, then I'm pretty happy. You <laughs> wouldn't call yourself a lazy gardener, would you? In a way, I mean, I would say I would strive for efficiency over caring. I'm not someone who like names their plants or anthropomorphize, you know what I mean? Yeah. I just want it to produce and I'm interested in sort of like the science behind it all. That's my connection at least. Right, but you do appreciate the plants themselves. Because we were just, yeah. before we started recording, you were just talking about how cute these tendrils are on this. The tendrils lupa. are cute, yeah. I guess I have an affinity to any plant that has adapted in a way. What a unique adaptation for a plant to have a tendril that once it hits something, it just curls and pulls itself up into the sun. And it is pretty cute. And you it's know? a loofah, so. Yeah. Then yeah. you have something at the end that's utilitarian. Yeah, and you can eat the loofah at young age. At a young age? Yeah, yeah. On Instagram, I'm doing loofah challenge 2019, so whoever grows the longest one gets a copy of the book <laughs> and people are dominating me like in florida everyone's beating me and in texas everyone's beating me in australia obviously their loofahs are already grown so it's been interesting i've been getting decimated in my own challenge but it's all good that's okay <laughs> that's how and it you, works so in the same bed with the loofah we have rosemary thyme basil some basil random strawberries yeah some oregano some fennel flowering fennel which i just let flower and i snack on the flowers every time i come out because they're so tasty they're really good um, i mean i like the root of the fennel or the bulb but how do you keep your oregano from completely taking over i think it's really just blockaded by the sage so it's not getting quite enough sun to just take over that area you know what i mean yeah the sage has already done that job <laughs> it's already done so this whole garden was filled with potatoes but now you have so much other food yeah you, you put yep. your tomatoes in you put your peppers in toms and the peps are in oh and growing. are these bush beans they're bush beans but there's something up with the soil in this bed mm. so i've been getting these soil tests i've actually been really liking this company called soil savvy it's like 23 and me you just pop it in the mail and then it comes back online yeah the report and so like i did it for this bed for example and found it was drastically low in nitrogen because i probably just didn't amend x times after planting mm -hmm. and so there's something up with this one and I'm, I'm guessing it might be the same problem where it's too low in n and too high in everything else in relation right so it's kind of out of whack so it's kind of burning the leaves a bit so i got to fix it but that's just part of having different beds with different soils in them i didn't mix it all at the same time you know and that's part of the process that's part of the process yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, marshmallow right here awesome so i'm gonna hopefully be able to harvest the root of that and make an actual marshmallow are you going to show that to us? Yeah, yeah, uh, to. Are you going to make a YouTube video out of that? I think that? I'm going to do making and roasting my own marshmallow <laughs> or something like I don't know. We'll All see. All right, coming soon. Yeah. You heard it here. I know. That'd be cool, at least. And what kind of peppers are these? I think those are just classic jalapenos. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. This is a fabulous little space. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. It was bare dirt and roses when I moved in. <laughs> Literally, there's nothing here, and there was just roses down this whole line. And that's it. It's at least transformed a little bit, I'd like to think. <laughs> and it's and it's fueling your apocalypse challenge. Uh-huh. 
eating from your garden for an entire month. Of which I've now lost 10 pounds in 18 days. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to lose weight. I had the weight to lose, to be fair, but you know, still. <laughs> if you want to lose weight, grow your own food. and Don't eat at many calories. <laughs> eat potatoes until you're sick of them, and then you don't eat them, and then you're not eating enough, and then you lose weight. That's the solution. One of the questions I'm asked all the time is how best to water my garden or yard, which is why I'm constantly on the lookout for smart new products that can help make that easier. Gilmar has a super spiffy rectangular sprinkler that lets you infinitely customize the area you want to water, which means no more having to move it around from one odd-shaped corner of your yard to another. To use it, you just slide the tabs from either front to back or side to side to adjust the length or width of the area you want to water. Both sides can be set independently, and there's an on-off switch, so you can move it around without getting wet or having to run back to the spigot to turn it off first. Super cool, right? Try one at gilmar.com and save 20% with promo code GROW20 or GROW20. Tell me why you think you're not the guy people would pick as a person that would get into growing. Well, that's an interesting one. Well, there's certainly something to be said about being a younger man specifically in gardening, because I have a lot of friends who are young farmers, which does tend to skew a bit more male, it does seem. Uh Although, like, you know, there's a a bunch of female farmers and it's amazing. So gardening certainly feels like a more feminine world to play in. That's been my perception. And Mm -hmm. honestly, if I look at the people who follow my stuff, it's been proven out. It's like 70% women, right? That would be one reason, just straight up who I am, right? But then also... Just being a young kid in SoCal, growing up skateboarding and playing guitar and like running around causing trouble and also being kind of a nerd. It just doesn't, I just guess I don't look the part in my upbringing or even in just how I look, right? That's what I would think. I don't know. Yeah. Well, when I first met you, I was like, oh, this is really cool. Here's this guy. He's really young and he's growing things in a really small space and he's making it really cool. Yeah. And you started out in hydroponics and mm-hmm. found yourself in growing in the soil. And and it all started with something I think you had mentioned that your mom had said. that. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, and I put it in the book too, because I think it's just such a funky story where I had just graduated college. Weirdly enough, I had played online poker through college while I was studying for accounting, which I guess you could say is a form of accounting. <laughs> but I quickly realized once I was able to pay my way through actual school with that, my brain flipped and I said, okay, I already picked economics accounting because I didn't know what I wanted to do and it's a safe general major. Now it's very clear that I don't want to do that given what I've been able to do in this world of of poker, right? Which is just very (laughs) Um, random, yeah. Right. But it was working, right? And so my brain clicked and I said, okay, I'm not going to get a job after college because I'm going to give the poker thing a shot at least for a little bit of time. And then I quickly realized maybe six months out, okay, I don't want to be like the people who are older than me and still playing poker. I just didn't want to live the lifestyle. I saw it into the future. You see Mm -hmm. a 26, 27-year-old doing the same thing. And I said, I don't want to be doing that at 26 or 27. Nothing against it, just wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. The problem with that was I actually didn't know what I then did want to do. All I knew is what I I didn't want to do, you know? Mm -hmm. And what's the next best thing to playing a game for money is to play a game not for money, video games, right? And growing up as someone who was really into, you know, chess or checkers or all these games, even video games as a kid, I went right back to that. And to, so to video, to games. video games. And I was just burning through time my first summer after graduating, 
just playing random video games, you know? The excuse was that my mom came and said, hey, my brother Brian is coming home from his first year of college, so he's younger than me. Mm -hmm. And she said, and she probably knew it at the time, honestly, if I really think back, she said, why don't you get something together with Brian outdoors so that you guys kind of, you know, spend time together this summer, just do it outside, like do, do something fun outside. And so I was able to have air cover for myself, you know, to be like, oh yeah, like I'll totally help my brother out, <laughs> unconsciously helping myself out, right, right. find something to sink my teeth into, you know? And so I gave him a list. I said, hey, Brian, do you want to go surf? Do you want to go skid? Just classic Southern California kid stuff. Do you want to play some music, whatever? And I said, gardening at the end. And he kind of perked up and he was like, oh, like, oh yeah, like I could, yeah, what about gardening, you know? <laughs> and in my head, I was like, why did he choose that? Like, what are the chances of that? I know, like there are some really cool options, you know? I'm like, why did you choose gardening? But he chose it and so I stuck with it and we went, I guess maybe not for you because you grew up gardening, but for, for me, probably an experience many people listening would be familiar with where you just go to the nursery and you're like, okay, what the heck is going on here? You right. know, like, like what am I supposed to do? Oh. What are these green things and <laughs> how they? do they work? And yeah, what's like the, the mystery of plants? All these names, yeah, it made no sense. And so I just did what probably everyone would do is we bought basil and we bought just containers, just random containers. And he actually cultivated these really amazing, almost like topiary basils over the course of a summer and made tons of pesto. Whereas I bought a, a cucumber plant and I washed all the soil off the roots and I stuck it in a hydroponic system <laughs> as my the first thing I ever did. Because I was thinking, which I now know to be false, I can't grow anything in my townhouse because I have no light and I have a north-facing patio, you know? It's like, I can't grow anything. And so I decided to bring it indoors and put it under a light and grow the cucumbers that way, which I would not recommend for someone starting. But for my brain, it worked because I was like, okay, well. How can I solve this problem? How can I solve the problem? Like It became a game again, right? And so if I could make it a game, then I could play the game and try to win the game, which is something I really like to do. Right. Your mom saying, hey, Kevin, mm-hmm. get your brother off the computer, led yeah. to you and your brother growing basil, Some epic basil, basil. To- basil topiary, yep. and cucumbers under lights. Exactly. And the cucumbers were terrible, so I failed. Because in hydroponics, <laughs> you're, you're programming all the nutrients too, right? Whereas in the soil, you just let it do what it does. I didn't do that right. So they tasted, they grew, but they tasted really bad. And so I was like, mm. oh man, I totally messed up. But my brain was hooked on okay, well, why did I make that mistake? What went wrong? Which led me down this rabbit hole of figuring out, at the, at the start at least, hydroponics and just blending sort of my techiness. I was like, okay, well, it, the information out here isn't that good. I'll just make a website that has information that's good, for me at least. Right. So and that you, was the genesis of the whole thing. Right, so you felt like you'd failed, and then when you were looking for information, you felt like you weren't finding the information mm-hmm. that you needed for a successful start. Yeah. So you decided, well, I'm not finding it, so I'm not finding the information mm-hmm. I need to get myself started with growing things, so I'll make the information. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it's not that it wasn't there, but it was either in like buried in a research paper, or it was written in a way that it was like translated from an old book, and I was just like, this isn't written for the web, which is the only place I was consuming information at the time, you know? So I said, if I want it and I'm not getting it, I'm not that unique. There's probably other people like me. So I might as well just at least collect it on my little website, kind of just like a hobby blog, you know? Mm-hmm. But that really was the the initial seed of what then became Epic Gardening today. The genesis of yeah, Epic Gardening. Yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. Can I ask you too, diverging for a minute, where did you get the name Epic Gardening? How was that born? Yeah, so that was born out of choosing a really bad name before that. Um, so I chose, because I was into hydroponics, right? Yeah. But there's also things like aeroponics, where you're growing in a sort of a nutrient mist. 
There's things like aquaponics where you're blending fish and plants and growing them together. And I was interested in all those. So I initially had called the site Exponics because I was trying to say like, okay, we're we're covering on this site anything that has to do with any ponic growing, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I realized, okay, that first of all, it's not that catchy. Second of all, if I ever want to talk about anything besides these ponics, aeroponics, hydroponics, maybe I need a better name, you know? And then the only thing I did to choose Epic Gardening is I looked at all the other blogs out there and just as a, I guess, a consequence of who I am, I was like, I don't think I'm going to name it like Sunny Slopes Gardener or like, Something you know, cute. Something cutesy because I'm just not a cutesy person. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll name it Epic because it's <laughs> the most opposite to the cutesy things, you know? Right. And that was it. That's the, That was the only logic behind it. I chose it in like five seconds and then registered the domain and then boom, we were there we were. So. And here you are. How many years later? So technically, yeah, that would be like six years, I think. So um, Epic Gardening is... Epic Gardening is from 2013, I remember, yeah. But as a job, as a business and a, like a profession, three years or no? That's yeah. impressive. Three years now? So this happen chance, this stumbling into the mm-hmm. Garden Center with your brother. It's insane what it has grown into. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's crazy. Yeah, I love that. It doesn't feel like I'm anything different than what I used to be. You know, I'm just, I'm just still very interested in plants. You rearrange the furniture a little bit because it it is true too that you you call yourself a geeky guy. You were a lover of nature. You spent time outdoors. Mm-hmm. We you used to go up to um, Northern California and mm-hmm. you know, spend time at a family camp there. And it yeah. makes so it seems to make sense to you. But you took this idea of computers and and accounting and numbers and and marketing in the day because when I wasn't playing poker. In the period from like 2013 to 2016, I was doing like website building, marketing for local companies. I had a startup that we raised money for that totally failed. And then I joined a, a publishing startup that, that did really well. And so my skills were in basically translating the poker skills into business, whereas like tech and marketing, right? Mm-hmm. And systems and stuff like that. And yeah, I mean, I guess you could say there were also seeds as a kid because like collecting rocks and growing crystals and like doing science camp and all that stuff interested in the natural world but i never did plants until Mm -hmm. i was 21 or 22 Mm -hmm. just kind of a weird thing kind of just maybe they chose you it may have been the case maybe maybe (laughs) maybe the world needed you kevin yeah (laughs) we just needed your your take on perhaps uh, growing and gardening because because you're really successful i mean you can be found on instagram you can Mm -hmm. be found on youtube yeah facebook Yeah, I mean, my whole thesis about that is just I'm trying to give something to people the way they want to get it, not necessarily the way I think they want to get it, right? So I might think, oh, everyone wants to listen or read the way I do. That's not true. Of course, there's millions of different people, right? I don't listen to a ton of podcasts these days, but a lot of people listen to my podcast. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. like, I can't think about things the way I want to do it. So that's been my whole thing with the Instagram and all that stuff is, okay, if someone never wants to watch a video or read a book, I will make them a podcast, you right, know? Right. Or create a video for Instagram. Or create a video, yeah. If that's how they're consuming information and it's valuable to them, it's bringing something meaningful and valuable to someone else. Exactly. Like I'm trying to hit, to go back to like a, not even to go back, to go to a sports analogy is like, I'm trying to be like Tony Gwynn, you know, or I'm trying to hit singles all the time. Yeah. I don't need to hit grand slams, but if I can just make cool things for people all the time that are helpful to them in the garden, that's gardening 
compounding. That's people starting to garden for generations, you know? Right. Hopefully. Right. Gardening um, 101 meets everyone where they are. Yeah. You're meeting people where they are. Exactly. And your most recent piece of content you've created is a book. So you've mm. gone from digital to print. Right, which is a world you know very well. I love paper and books and Mm -hmm. photography, and I really love that. And much of what I've done has been driven towards that end of of creating something substantial. Mm -hmm. And now you've done the same thing. Yeah, and I've gone almost, you could say the opposite, where I've had to add more and more rigor to the content, you know, because I can do a one-off little Instagram video or a quick podcast recording. That's very easy. Sitting down for six months to nine months to create the book is a much different game. And so that was really unique. And growing up as a voracious reader, I was reading at like age 18 months or something crazy like that. Having written a book was always a goal of mine. I just wasn't going to write one until I felt that there was anything to say. You know what I mean? I'm just going to write one to write one. The title is perfect because here we are in San Diego. You're growing your garden Mm -hmm. in your front yard and in your side yard. And it's a field guide to urban gardening. Mm -hmm. I took a risk, I guess you could say, in not telling anyone in the whole book there's no instruction on how to actually grow an actual plant like here's how to grow a tomato that's not there but what is there is the first third is like how do you actually understand how a plant grows in general how do they use water and light and stuff like that then the second third would be okay now that you know that where do you live and what methods will work for you based on where you live so if you're in a tiny apartment Maybe it's balcony gardening plus indoor microgreens or herbs. That's it. Mm -hmm. But that's better than zero. And actually, if you grow microgreens and herbs, that's actually really cost effective compared to buying them at the store, you know? So that's kind of the tack I took and we'll see if it does well. I hope so. I hope so. It sounds like a very common sense, practical information where if you understand these basic principles around growing plants, you can apply those principles to the specific plants you choose to grow. That is where I was going with it. It's the whole teach a man to fish thing. I would rather you know how to fish than me tell you exactly how to catch each fish. You know? Right. Makes more sense. I think that process is also really valuable for cooking. For sure. And understanding the basic concept, say, behind a soup. Mm-hmm. And you have your broth, you have your vegetables, you have you know your savory, all of those compounds mixed together. And if you can make one soup, you can apply that method to make another <laughs> I, soup. I need that because I tried to make a soup on this apocalypse challenge and I put beet stems in the veggie broth that I was trying to make because I can only grow and use what I've produced. So I can't use herbs that I haven't grown. Right? Right. So let's back up. Let's talk about the Apocalypse Challenge. Sure. So like Epic Gardening, first, where did the Apocalypse Challenge idea come from? Oh, okay. So that came from my friends and I, non-gardening friends, just being obsessed with apocalypse scenarios. So a couple of my friends work in government in sort of tactical roles. And so they're very interested in this type of stuff in general. And I'm sitting here as the gardener like, well, you have to keep me in the apocalypse because you can't eat without me. (laughs) And then I started thinking... Okay, well, what would actually happen if I had time? What would I actually... I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Siri's, Siri's uh, chiming in on this one. <laughs> Whoops. Um, I think I triggered my Google. Anyways, I started thinking, okay, if I had six months and I knew a meteor was going to hit the earth or, or something, could I actually live off of my space, specifically this space? You know. And then I said, okay, well, let's see if I can do it for a month. And that was really the genesis of it. And then I had to come up with all the rules, you know. Right. So I'm connecting the dots now. Yeah. So it wasn't just apocalypse like this is a major challenge. It was what am I going to do mm-hmm. if there really is a crisis mm-hmm. and I actually do have to 
survive for, survive literally live yeah and mm-hmm. and so your challenge is what you're growing what you can barter with what you're growing yep harvest or forage from the wild the yep. wild and fish yeah or fish and catch. if i'm if i'm bartering i can't barter for like i can't trade two potatoes for a pizza right it has to be somewhat fair and it has to be for something they've made or grown so i can't trade for like you know i don't know like a subway sandwich <laughs> it's got it's got to be something that they've produced which has led to really interesting trades you know have you met people through this process I've met too? a ton I've met a ton of people I've gotten mail from around the country just yesterday I shipped 20 pounds of potatoes to like seven different people cuz I owed them the potatoes for the trade and I got in return what did I get jams pickled veggies eggs all sorts of stuff you know it's been a fascinating challenge because what's what's really interesting is what is valuable in these scenarios is totally different. Like if you're a backyard chicken owner and you have 20 eggs a day coming out, you'll trade those eggs for whatever because you don't care. You're just getting so many eggs it doesn't matter. So you'll trade them for right. anything because right. what are you going to do with them? The normal scenario is if you have backyard chickens, you often have more eggs and you can actually eat yourself. That's, yeah. So I got I traded like a pound of kumquats that I foraged from a tree for 30, <laughs> for 36 eggs. And so I was like, that's such a win for me, fat and protein for a pound of kumquats and I already had more. You know, right. but she's like, I've never even had kumquats. So for her, she's like, oh. so you're connecting the dots. Speaking of connecting the dots, you're connecting the dots for other people. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of love here. There's a lot of support. People, community, yeah. community involvement. That's not just San Diego, but it's national. It's been national. Yeah. And you're introducing people to foods that they maybe haven't tried, like a kumquat. Mm-hmm. And they're sending you something that you wouldn't otherwise have the opportunity to eat or produce in your own plot. Eggs, jams, you know, soup broth, mixtures, things like that, you know? Yeah. And it's just, because the first week was just me eating potatoes <laughs> and some vegetables. And yeah. I was like losing my mind. And so I had to start making the trades and fishing and, I was, and doing all that. I was kind of wondering how that would go. Like, okay, when is he going to get really sick of the foods that are growing in his... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's funny because it, you make a couple trades, do some fishing... And now the variety of ways I can spice up the plain ingredients that I have is almost unlimited. So now I'm not sick of it. Like I've traded for vinegar so I can make salt and vinegar potatoes, which is a delicious thing that I couldn't make before, you know? Right, right. So it's been fun to mix and mash stuff. And I'm learning about cooking too, except for the soup broth. I messed that up. Oh, yeah. well, I can help you with that. I put beet stems in it. Don't do that because it colored it and made it taste 100% like beets. Oh. And there's nothing you could do at that point. It was just done. Right. You know? (laughs) But so for how it's going for you, it sounds like there's a learning curve for sure. There's process and there's you're managing your calories. How's that going? You're managing your calories. I think we talked about that earlier. Yeah. So I got a body composition scan on day one and I'll get one on day 32. So I'll know exactly how I've changed. But I know I've lost at my peak. I've lost 13 pounds and I think I'm at like maybe minus 10 now. But do you feel fine? The first five days, I did not feel fine. I felt bad because I was going off what? Gluten, dairy, caffeine, sugar, all that at the same time. Are you normally a coffee drinker? Yeah. Oh, coffee drinkers. Yeah. That messed me up for a couple days. But now I feel really good. Even if I know I'm not eating necessarily enough, I still feel better than when I was eating too much. You know? Interesting. Have you heard of this book? It's called The Dorito Effect, and it's by Mark Schachter, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, Schachter. Mm-hmm. No. 
actually, Yvonne Chouinard, the founder of Patagonia, mm-hmm. I was talking with him and he said, Emily, you have to read this book, The Dorito Effect. And it is all about the modern food industry and how they have basically, the language is interfered with this communication of flavor and nutrition. So they're faking flavor because it's processed. And in the meantime, our bodies are also then craving more because we're not satisfied. They're taking out those the yeah. components that actually make flavor real. So to mm. develop that idea, so the Dorito effect, faking flavor, tricking our bodies, and it's creating this issue with wellness in the United States and mm. probably globally of you know increased diabetes, obesity. You're eating so much because what it feels like maybe your body's trying to satisfy the craving of the nutrients that would be within the food, but they're not there because of the flavor. And yeah. so on that same on that same note, there's also scientific evidence that shows that a carrot, for instance, that has a ton of flavor and tastes like a real carrot, actually holds more nutrition than a carrot that tastes bland and basic. Yeah. Which is what you could argue intensive farming, they're creating bigger vegetables or fruits like bigger strawberries mm-hmm. that are cheaper mm-hmm. to buy, but they're blander. They have less flavor and therefore they also have less nutrition. Yeah, they're sort of optimizing for the wrong growing condition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think as a gardener you would know that when you bite into a, a carrot that you grew yourself and then you go to the store it's like there's not really a comparison there's, at all it's not the, close you no know? there's not a comparison and i i will say just on the challenge eating i will say my diet was not amazing before so that has something to do with it for sure i was not eating that well but now i'm full on a lot less food than i used to be and i don't think it's just because the diet was bad i think it's also because what i'm eating is inherently more nutritious and whole and whole. Yeah, yeah exactly. Food. Yeah. And also potatoes are really filling. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that is yeah, true. Yeah. So would you say that maybe even weaning yourself off this, say, air quotes, American diet or processed foods could be maybe just growing a handful of your own ingredients, your handful of produce, just to try this mm-hmm. process of what does a carrot really taste like? Yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. I would say the first thing I would recommend any beginner to do would be herbs and then greens right? And then perhaps like a bean or a pea, maybe a root crop. And then you move into your fruit and crops, like, you know, the, the, the whole world of vegetables, potato or tomatoes and peppers and things like that. But even just herbs, there's a very big difference between the rosemary you buy here and the rosemary you buy at the store. At least to me, it feels that way. It's, Fresh I, basil would be an even more obvious example, you know? I completely agree. And then you're not wasting the plastic and you're not spending $4 for two sprigs of the rosemary. Well, that's true. Or maybe you need some basil for a particular recipe, but you only use part of it, just the rest of it to sit in your crisper and then turn brown and gross and mushy. If you're growing your own, then you can pick what you need, the amount you need, and the rest stays fresh out in the garden. It was so funny because... On Sunday, this past Sunday, I went to a fellow YouTuber's house, but she's more of like a lifestyle vlogger type person. So mm-hmm. she has no, she never really touched soil at 30 years old, right? Which is crazy. But also, it's not that crazy. That's actually normal. Crazy to me as a gardener and probably you, but everyone else, that's just their life. And so she said exactly what you said, where she said, because we set her up with an herb garden. She said, oh, I can just leave it on the plant if I don't need it, and then it will just stay alive. And I was like, yeah, that's how this works. You yeah. Know? And then when uh, you need it, you can pick it and it tastes amazing. <laughs> and it's still fresh and it's still mm-hmm. completely alive. So that is your, your garden is your crisper bin and you'll never waste it if you grow it that way, you know. Mm-hmm. And so. the other thing I love about herbs, and if you've heard me say this before, bear with me, but I love the fact that 
they're sort of this one-stop shop. You get flavor, you get fragrance. Mm -hmm. I mean, unbelievable fragrance. It's basically like your mini uh, aromatherapy spa. And many of these herbs have flowers that are not only edible and can be added to foods just like the leaves would be. It's like thyme, rosemary, sage, amazing. They're also pollinator meccas. And so if you're going to grow one thing, it could be herbs because they're doing all these things and many of them are water wise. And so- That's the thing I was gonna add. They're easy to grow. So you can't really ask for more than that from from one single plant. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would I would of course recommend someone to grow herbs over even tomatoes or peppers or beans, unless you love it. But the benefits are obvious, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you can add flavor to it. So if you happen to do an apocalypse challenge and you have herbs, <laughs> you, you have a have way herbs. to flavor <laughs> those hundreds of pounds of potatoes that you happen yeah. to grow to sustain yourself for thirty days. Hundred percent recommended. Epic recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> See photos of my day with Kevin on the podcast website, growwhatyoulove.love. You'll find photos of the food that he's bartered for and, of course, his garden. And you can learn more about Kevin there. You can find his social media links. He's everywhere. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, you name it. And be sure to follow him on Instagram at Epic Gardening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Give it a thumbs up if you like it. And please leave a review. I'd like to start off by thanking my sponsor, the fabulous team at Gilmore Garden and Watering. Again, this episode would not have been possible without their help. And I'm always on the hunt for easy ways to water my outdoor oasis. Gilmore has a great on-off sprinkler that makes it easy to adjust how narrow or wide or long or short of an area you want to water. And there's an on-off switch so you can move it around without getting wet or having to run back to the spigot to turn it off first. Try one out with the promo code GROW20 or GROW20 and save 20% at gilmore.com. Now, I'd also like to thank Kevin for his time and garden tour, Kevin Basel for sound engineering, Disher Sound, Resonant Recordings, and Lauren Siri, Julie Harris-Walker, Lasta Dracovich, Josh Murphy, Laura Ling, and thank you to all of you for supporting and believing in me. Growing up as a voracious reader, I was reading at like age 18 months or something crazy like that. Say what? Did you hear that? Rewind. Growing up as a voracious reader, I was reading at like age 18 months or something crazy like that. 